This week on Waxing the Porpoise, G-Baby and the usual suspect Steve drop anchor to review the classic film The Last Detail from 1973, about a couple of Navy chasers on a prisoner escort featuring a very young Randy Quaid and pre-Chinatown era Jack Nicholson. Acting as our compass rose, we welcome special guest Matt from the Swords and Stereo podcast. Space vampire evangelist, modern day renaissance man, and a former sailor himself to guide us through the siren song of the sea. Join us as Matt and the Porpoises join forces to journey through uncharted waters and discuss Matt's time in the Navy and how it compares to its depiction on film, the pursuit of mischief in the name of making memories that would force Poseidon himself to blush, and answer the age-old question, just what is a shellback? Would you eat a cherry out of a fat man's belly button? Call for a good maritime. Let's wax this salty porpoise. Chase, don't do that. You see, we we working on his brow chakra. We're just in back of the crown chakra. All right, welcome to Waxing the Porpoise. Uh, we are back again on episode 64 now, talking about a film from 1973, The Last Detail. As always, you got myself, Jim G. Baby. You're shitting me. I wouldn't shit you. You're my favorite turtle. And of course, <laughs> and of course, as always, we have the usual suspect, Steve. I'll tell you what you better do, Mr. Citizen Bartender. You take your beers and ram them up your ass sideways. You dig it? How's it going, man? Doing wonderful. How are you guys? Doing well. And we have a special guest tonight that I'm pleased to invite onto the show, Matt. What's going on? He wants to see you right away. Tell MAA to go fuck himself. How's it going, Matt? going good it's going good thank you for joining us uh i laid out the good tarp i got a bottle of half crown half half vodka nice i'm I'm ready to park the porpoise sweet (laughs) fuck yeah that's awesome yeah i got a little bit of rye some some wobbly pops yeah this should this should be a fun one i asked matt to come on i know him uh like a few of our other friends of the show uh from the straight chilling uh community and he's actually been he's been a guest host on a couple uh of my favorite episodes of straight chilling, the green Knight, and the Northman, And he's had some pretty epic voicemails that he's left. People know life force uh, is a standout. Yeah. I just thought you're, you're just a super cool dude. And I thought it'd be super fun to do something with you. And then we were kind of getting close to 4th of July. And I know you'd mentioned you've been in the Navy and this is last detail with Jack Nicholson's one of my favorite kind of like road movie, like buddy, buddy cop, uh kind of movies so yeah i thought this would be a fun one to talk about you also have your own podcast called swords and stereo do you want to talk about that real quick plug that in your uh bold city longsword yeah so uh swords and stereo i i run a um fencing club that does historical fencing we fence out of a book that was written in 1570 by yoakam meyer it's called the art of combat and he trains uh, a long sword, side sword, which he called a rapier, because the rapiers we think of weren't invented yet. Uh, Dusak, which is uh, proto cutlass, and uh, then it's dagger and wrestling and pole arm. 
and I haven't got into the pole arm yet, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, anyway, swords and stereo. Yeah. We just, we talk about uh, the historical side of sword fighting. We go, we go over like how they thought about it compared to how we think about it. Uh, you know, like for, for us, it's very much just a sport, but for them, it, it was a sport, but it was also something they could use in their day-to-day life. Um, and then, you know, just the martial arts in general, you know, everyone has two arms, two legs, two elbows. So like, uh, uh, martial arts is martial arts, like 80% of the time. So it's that, it's that fun 20% that's different. We like to talk about. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. And I've listened to a couple of your episodes and it's interesting. You, like you would think like, you know, sword fighting, how much, how much mileage could you get out of a podcast? But like the, the amount of like history and I know you're a big history guy and, and read a lot in general, but the history behind all of it is super interesting that I would have never given a second thought to, you know? So yeah, like yeah, I, I, cool. I never really thought of myself as a Renaissance guy, but, uh, as soon as I got into sword fighting, I'm like, man, the fucking Renaissance was amazing. You just had like pulps, popes like just swinging dick like going to war for no reason you know like and kings just pissed at each other because they're fucking marrying each other's daughters and shit it it is a it's a cool ass time to read about yeah yeah fucking wild to think like that's how people lived then you know like compared to like how everything's so easy and like cush compared to that yeah it's nuts Cool. And you, you all, I think you, you mentioned briefly, but you have your own, uh, uh, studio in Jacksonville. Yeah. So yeah, I, I run a fencing hall here. Uh, I believe the French word is called a sow. Don't ask me to spell that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I have a giant room with swords all over the walls and, and then people come in and we fence and we read the historical book together and do, do what it tells us to do. It's, uh, it is a school, but in the loosest, loosest sense. <laughs> it sounds like a really fun school. I'll yeah, say that sounds, for sure. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Cool. Um, yeah. Thank you for, for joining us. I'm, I'm really excited to, to wrap and kind of pick your brain as we, as we go through this movie. Um, I guess first off, Steve, obviously you never heard of this one. I don't know if I no. played this up in our, our warehouse days at all, but um Matt, had you had you ever heard of this one? Is this one like a favorite amongst Navy guys? Or no, I, I had never heard of this movie. The Navy movie we watched while I was in was Down Periscope. I think I've seen Down Periscope oh, okay. like four hundred <laughs> times. But uh, yeah. yeah, I had never heard of this. Yeah, that's a good one. You ever seen Down Periscope? Kelsey Grammer. I have um, Rob Schneider. It's a good one. I still I would put Under Siege above Down Periscope, but that's just me. <laughs> That movie kicks so much ass. Uh, yeah, Under Siege is a favorite of mine. Uh, while I was in the Navy, I worked on the Sea Wiz Gatling gun, and that's one of the only movies that shows that gun actually working. Oh, uh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, my go-to is probably – I'm a big uh, Men of Honor fan. That's a that's one of my faves, and this one. But uh, – yeah, that's interesting. That I, I would have thought maybe it's because it's an older flick, but I thought this would be like a like if you were a a navy guy that this would be like one of your faves because I to me it, it it shows it in like kind of a charming like like fun kind of light you know like scrappy like 
like Jack Nicholson's character is kind of. And anyway, um, cool. So, and I guess to get us started too, uh, we, we have a mutual friend named, uh, Andy Herbert, AKA Herbie, uh, that we worked with for a lot of years in a warehouse and he's still running the show there. Uh, and he was a former Navy guy. And last minute I kind of picked his brain. I was like, Hey, do you got anything? I didn't ask him if he'd seen this movie, but I recommended it. But I was like, is there anything uh, kind of interesting or questions that we could kind of pepper in? Um, and I saw, I saw a couple fun ones, but his, his uh, pedigree, I sent this earlier, but he was an STG two sonar operator sonar technician surface petty officer second class on the uss nicholas ffg 47 the nasty nick i thought that was fucking cool did you guys all have like names like like nicknames for your ship that you were on or uh i didn't i was uh i was on the uss roosevelt ddg 80 and we we you immediately have to go the franklin not the teddy because when people hear (laughs) uss roosevelt they think of the teddy which is a uh, aircraft carrier, and we we, we were a, uh, a small destroyer. We, our crew was only like three hundred and twenty people, so like you just oh, okay. had, you, you had to immediately go the Franklin, not the Teddy, so people didn't <laughs> think you were on this giant fucking city of a boat. <laughs> nice. Um, it seems yeah, strange so that it seems strange that the aircraft carrier would be named after Teddy. You know, it seems like that would be such a bigger deal to name. You get what I'm saying, like. FDR, I feel like it was a way bigger deal than Teddy was, so it seems strange. Yeah, I, I don't hmm. know the naming conventions. Uh, maybe I, I, I see when I got to the ship. I got to the ship in 2000, and it had just been commissioned in like '99. It, it was a brand new ship, so uh, nice. yeah, I have no idea. It was brand new when I got there. I went to my uh, I went to my uh, plank owner reunion like three or four years ago. And it was, it was devastating, like 20 years of time. Like it was, it went from being state of the art to like barely fucking running because (laughs) 20 years is a long time when you're, you're dealing with state of the art technology, like, uh, all the giant cavities that held the TVs and stuff had flat screens in them now. And like, like there's all this extra space that we didn't have because all the computers were tiny uh, it right. was really weird walking around the ship 20 years after it was built. I bet. Yeah. yeah. I can only imagine like the way shit just like every 18 months or two years just gets faster, smaller. Yeah. I saw this boat that, that Herbie was on just got decommissioned or not just, but got decommissioned in 2014. And I think it was from 94 if I'm reading that right. But um, wow. Yeah, he's got a couple of fun questions that I'm like, oh, what the fuck does that mean? It's like almost like a riddle to me. So I'm curious <laughs> to see like what like you decode it like as we go along. But yeah, he he uh shout out to Herbie for uh coming up scrabbling up some uh some fun questions for this as we get into it. So I guess too to cut to the chase, we always go to Steve and, and see uh what he thought of the flick. Is this a pass or fail? Yes or no? Yeah, it's a pass. I liked it. It was good. Uh, I think it sounds a little soft though. It's it's a soft pass. It's a soft yes. I think I think it suffers from. It's very seventies for sure. I feel like if they made it now, or made it a little bit less obvious seventies, um, I think it would just have b- better staying power. I don't know because this came out hmm. like the year before Chinatown, right? 
and I feel like Chinatown is yeah. pretty timeless. You don't watch yeah. it and you're like, oh, this is for sure 1975 or whatever. But it it was also meant to take place in an earlier time. So I get yeah. I get that. But but this one is very of the time. So I don't I don't think it holds up. But then again, it was fifty years ago. So you is know. that like an aesthetic thing? Like just like the the way things look in the seventies, kind well, of like rough dialogue, and grungy. The dialogue is kind of out. I wouldn't say outdated, but it's very of the time. That being right. said, I bet the book was really good. Uh, I liked the story a lot. It was just very obviously seventies. But that all being said, I liked it. Good movie. <laughs> Right on. Cool. So that bumps us up to an 87% approval rate flat. We're at four, we're 40 and six for now for, I want to know if I like it. Oh yeah. Did you, what'd you think of this one, Matt? Yeah, I, I, I did. I liked it. I ended up buying it on Amazon, so nice. I have it forever now. Sorry. Uh, the, uh, you, you were talking about the dialogue. I, I think that's funny cause they had to fight for this dialogue. Uh, I was reading some of the behind the screen stuff about, the profanity and just like the, 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 the producers were like, why do they sound like this? And the writers like, because this is how people actually fucking talk. We shut up, yeah. sit down, you know, <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, it had, I, I think when this movie was released, this movie said motherfucker more than any movie ever before it. And yeah. what was funny is when I read that, I had to think, I was like, I guess they did say motherfucker a lot. Cause I didn't even notice <laughs> because I, I wasn't, I was in the fucking Navy and everyone talked like that. So it just seemed yeah. normal to me. It, nothing was out of place. Uh, that's, huh, awesome. that's funny. Yeah. I think I read a piece of trivia on IMDb. It was like either 63 or 68 times, something like that. And that at the time that was the most MFs dropped in a film yeah. to that point. And I also saw a fun thing is like, I guess they were saying like, if you release it with this much cursing, we can't release it in like, it was either all of Europe or maybe it was just like, uh, uh, like Australia, New Zealand. They were like, we won't release Weird. it. So <laughs> at the same time they shot, it, it amounted almost to like making the movie twice. They shot a second version of the film that was like PG 13, which they didn't have back then. So it was just PG where they dropped all the F words out, which I thought was fucking insane. Like who, what studio would agree to like spend that much resource like this day and age to, shoot a movie twice ostensibly. So I thought that was really interesting. Not just like edit out or like, you know, yeah, maybe maybe that, that was harder to do or more expensive back then. But um, yeah, it does have a lot of cursing, but yeah, I think that's what adds to the charm and endears it to me. So, so this was a, you bought it. That's cool. Um, So would you say this is a strong uh, like, on this yeah, one, I, th- Matt? I think everyone should probably watch this once. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know what the rewatchability is because uh, it definitely it definitely hit some nostalgia for me. Just n- all the Navy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if if other people will have that have it grab them the way it grabbed me because of that. But um, yeah, you should definitely watch it once. It's, it it it's weird. It's not really a military movie. It, it's it's a road movie. Yeah, totally. it's, it's actually more it's more appealing to people <laughs> than they think it might be. I mean, because if, if you take out all the mu- the the navy music and the mm-hmm. uniforms, these could they could just be fucking college kids, and you could do the almost the exact same movie, right? 
You just yeah. don't, you have like, he's got to go away for something. Maybe it's not prison. Like maybe he's going to go to a military academy or like yeah. he's got to go. He, his parents are moving to Europe or something and saying goodbye to his friends. Yeah. That's a good point. You take away the cuffs and, and all the pageantry of the Navy stuff. Or if it was just like two detectives, they turn into like a midnight run scenario. Kind I was of just going to ask you. I couldn't Robin. remember the name of it. Yeah. That yeah, was a that's good a one. Fun, I like that, that one. Is, that is a fun movie. Dude, general, something about Charles Grodin in that film to me, he just, he balances like annoying and obnoxious, but also like charming, like, all right, you know, like give him a noogie and get over it. I mean, they kind of do that in this too. It's interesting to see these guys are kind of like tough or not so much playing real tough guys, but to me, it seemed like they were just like, they call themselves lifers and they're just trying to fucking like, all right, we're on this detail. And then they figure out a way to kind of sweeten it a little bit. Like their plan is to take this uh, guy who's played by Randy Quaid, actually super young ass Randy Quaid, which is always fun to see someone like really young in an old movie um, that you've seen, you know, and everything else when they're older. And Jack Nicholson obviously is young as shit in this. I didn't really recognize Otis Young, who plays Mule, but I liked him a lot. I thought him, yeah. I thought all three of them jived real well together, kind of gelled in this. What, what do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they're pretty much the whole show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just <laughs> doesn't leave a lot of room. You better like him or you're not going to like the flick, but. Yeah. Would, would, would Jack's definitely stealing the show. I mean, he he's just chewing the scenery. And oh, I kind of yeah. feel like the other two guys are just, they are just props for Jack, you know? Yeah, that's fair. I think they, they both have their moments like mule when he, when he gets pissed at him and he talks about like, you know, the Navy being the best thing that's ever happened. You better not fuck this up. And then also too, when uh, Meadows, Randy Quaid's character, it's like, you know, breaking down and he's trying to run away. Like he has his moments too, but yeah, Nicholson is definitely like, he's, he's the king shit of this movie. Um, well, uh, mule is the straight character. So like he yeah. just naturally has less to do because he's supposed to be, I feel like he's supposed to be the one we relate to mm-hmm. in, in this situation. We're mule watching these two other characters <laughs> go through their shit. And we're just sitting there like, what, what's going on? What's going to happen next? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And it's funny too, though, because Mule gets roped in like we all do. Sometimes we all have that friend or like those people that are these kind of Nicholson types, you know, that can, uh, you know, and sometimes it's us too. But um, yeah, I, I really like the interplay between all three of them. Uh, I guess to just to lay the table slightly uh, about kind of like a, a quick synopsis or get us started so uh we're in the 70s i think it's yeah it's it's taking place when it was shot so because they mentioned vietnam and when they were there so this is the tail end of vietnam i believe i think when did that get over like 76 75 75 and then we're in 73 they bring up nixon um uh, <laughs> that, that scene's fucking funny like, yeah tell me one thing yeah. <laughs> you don't like about Nixon, <laughs> the, the Abby Hoffman kind of stand in yeah. hippie. So we have Jack Nicholson and mule who are self dubbed lifers in the Navy. And we both see them kind of just like, yeah, they're like, fuck this. You know, they kind of have this like attitude They're We're waiting for our orders and they're like hanging around the base. That's one thing I was curious about. Is that, is that common? Like playing the waiting game and like waiting for orders. What, what the fuck does that mean? Exactly. Like you're waiting for like your next, like this is what you're going to do for 18 months. 
Yeah, so like I, I was in transit tw- twice while I was in. Um, the first time I got out of school, uh, I got out of my C school, and then I got assigned to a ship. And my I was in uh, Damnick, Virginia, and my ship was over in the Gulf. So they flew me over, and I, I just sit in Italy under Mount Edna for like two weeks waiting for the ship to get close enough to me to pick me up and like shit like that's pretty common. Uh, when I got out of the Navy, I was, uh, I was over in the Gulf and they, they, I, I had to fly back like three or four weeks before I actually got discharged because it was the only plane I could take. So they flew me back to Florida and then I just had to sit around for like a month doing weird <laughs> odd jobs before I was officially out of the Navy. Is so is that where you can get stuck with like a detail like these guys do? Is that they were they picked just because they were free on the base and they were kind yeah, of you're, this- you're just an extra person. And wow. so like if if shit needs to be done, they come and grab you. And it can be anything from like you know, raking and doing yard work to driving the van to, you know, just weird shit, you know, is there a certain threshold where you're at a certain rank where that, uh, like you don't have to do that. And then everything below this rank, I think the the jobs would just change The higher rank you are, the cushier, the job would be, you know, like it'd be like, go hold the old man's golf clubs at the golf, (laughs) at the golf course or some (laughs) shit, you know, that's another one too. You, you brought that up. They 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 say the old man in this. Like, what do you do? Like, kill the old man? Like, who who is the old man? Is that just a moniker for whoever's like chief in their particular sphere, or is uh, it like the are they talking about the president or like an admiral? The 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 old man is generally whoever's in charge of the base or the ship. It's generally a captain. Uh, gotcha. So like if if you're if you're stationed at a base. They, they try to run that base with the same uh, leadership structure as you would on the ship, uh, though it's probably a lot bigger because the base man's a lot more people. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I think they would, even if that person's rank isn't captain, they would still call them captain. Um, hmm. Okay. I know captain's a much lower rate rank in the army, but uh, it's... It's pretty high up. It's just under Admiral uh, in the Navy. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting to, to think about, like, those dead zones that you're in. You could just get, like, pulled for some shit detail, as Mule likes, likes to say. He's like, I ain't going on no shit detail. But, yeah, so that's kind of where we find uh, Budusky, uh, played by Jack Nicholson, and uh, Mulhall, played by Otis Young. And they both get picked by the master at arms to uh, uh, of this base. I think they're in Norfolk and they're tasked with uh, acting as chasers, which I'm familiar with that. Cause I've actually seen the movie chasers with Tom Berenger, which is another Navy movie, which is a lot of fun. I saw that at a young age, really like on HBO randomly, like it's a weird movie for like an 11 year old kid to watch all the way through and enjoy it. But um so they cha- correct me if I'm wrong too, cause I'm talking out of my asshole right now, but chasers are just like Navy dudes tasked with, uh, acting as like, um, prison guards, escorting a prisoner 
uh, to the brig, which I'm not sure that that seems like a kind of a catch all for just a military prison. But um, is that what a chaser is? And do you have any experience with that? The brig is generally the gel on the ship. And I think maybe they just use that terminology when they feel like it off the ship. But gotcha. uh, yeah, the brig is actually just on the ship. Uh, I okay. never went to prison in the Navy. So like I never, <laughs> I never had to deal with these people. Uh, but uh, I like I was in the Navy from oh, uh, from 2006, which is, you know, fucking 25 years after this. So I think maybe some of the terminology might have changed between now and then. Like yeah. they say MAA and we just said MA, but they both mean mastered arms. Gotcha. Uh, I don't know about, I, I've never heard the term chaser until this movie. Uh, we oh, would wow. just call okay. them MAs. Yeah. Cool. That guy, the guy who plays Steve, what did, what do you think of this guy uh, who played the master at arms? Clifton James, the, uh, the head guy at the very beginning, who's explaining like, you are one lucky son of a bitch. Yeah. Like, and he's telling them what they're going to do. I love this fucking guy. Yeah. Seemed fun. Seemed like a cool character. I didn't really think too much of him after he was gone, but I, I have a soft, I've seen this movie quite a few times, probably a dozen times in my life. And, uh, he's one that stands out. Like he's not, he's not in it, but he like leaves a mark. Like the way, like he call it, like he, he does the Al Bundy. He's like kicking back and, fucking sticking his hand down his pants and he's describing this detail and like um, the line where he calls Mulhall and he's like, you gotta be shitting me. He's like, I wouldn't shit you. You're my favorite turd. Dude. I loved that. That was so fucking funny. Like (laughs) I can't wait to like the next time says you gotta be shitting me. I can't wait to fucking use that on him. Um, uh, And then like when he's like talking about like they get to, it sounds kind of fun. Like they get to escort this punk uh, from Norfolk to they're going to Portsmouth, which is, I looked up was in New Hampshire. Yeah. It looks like in the winter time they're going on this endeavor, and it looks like they're pretty fucking cold at a couple points. But he's like, "Yeah, you get to go to Boston, New York," and he's like, "I'd trade places with you, you know." And then just he always all business and like, and and then when he's barking at Randy Quaid, who's the prisoner, and, and even describing like, "Yeah, he lifted forty dollars from the polio." Uh, collection plate you know and he got eight years in in the brig and a dd dishonorable discharge and nicholson and and uh or badusky and mohall are like jesus christ i thought they only pulled that kind of shit in the army and like it it's kind of a fucked up situation that this kid's in he's like i think they say he's like 19 19 or 20 and he's, uh, he's 18 because 18. they say when he gets out he's gonna be 26 that's right that's right. Yeah. So they're like, fuck, what'd he do? And he, like, he tells him and everything. And um, yeah, I, I really love that, that whole part when they're like, and, and then when he, he goes to like, all right, you're the honcho. These guys are going to be escorting you and they're mean bastards and all this shit. And when he's like, <laughs> when he tells them, uh, yeah, so these guys are going to be watching you. And then he's like, yes, sir. And he's all, what? to his face like super loud he's like yes sir he's like they're not gonna take any shit from a pussy like you (laughs) like i don't know i know we're spending a lot of time on the beginning in this guy but i looked him up he was actually a lot of guys in this film were former uh not many in the navy but like this guy clifton james who played the master at arms was like a highly decorated world war or uh, korean war 
uh, army. I think he was like a gunnery sergeant. If I remember correctly, there's like four or five guys that were in this flick that were, that were all, uh, military dudes. Um, and that, that dude in particular, uh, has kind of a wild story. He's been, he's been an actor. He played a sheriff in a lot of things, which makes sense. But, um, so yeah, that's kind of this movie is like, it sets up the road movie. You got Jack Nicholson and, uh, mule carrying Randy Quaid from Norfolk to Portsmouth they they both start off like they're saying like we get a per diem you know we get five days to do it let's get this fucker up there super fast fucking rake in all the per diem and have a good time like road show kill kill some time and and just have fun and i liked uh mohall like like nicholson explaining like this is what we're gonna fucking do now we run this little shitbird's ass all the way to the brig, save his per diem and ours, split it and spend it on the way back home. You know what I mean? Less shag ass. And then and then we're off. I love that kind of like setup. It kind of puts you in the in the mind frame like this this is what we're doing, you know? And along the way, I th- I feel like it has a lot of heart. Like they try to like at first they're like, this is just a detail and this is what we're doing but they see it's like fuck this kid's 18 he's got eight years like just down the drain let's show him a good time what'd you guys think of like where this was gonna go or like from this point i had no expectation of anything uh i did i was super uncomfortable when they were in the diner and he's like waiter about the cheese on the hamburger i'm like oh fuck (laughs) Is, it, is it that take, you? Is that you at the restaurant? Like something's wrong, and you're like, "No, I'm just gonna fucking no, it's fine." Uh, it it depends. It would have to be pretty bad. <laughs> but I mean, it's always Brittany like, like they're like, "No, make it how you want it," and then she does it for you. Well, I I think of it not so much as being afraid of like a confrontation, but it's more of a pragmatic thing. Like having worked in a restaurant, if I say, "Hey, um, can you fix this?" They're gonna fucking spit in it for sure. So it's not about, you need to stand up for yourself. It's like, I don't want this when it comes back to me, if I'm complaining to this person. (laughs) So I I just felt uncomfortable. Like, oh God, if I was sitting at that same table and they're like, can you go back and melt this cheese? Like, it's fine. Hopefully the meat is warm enough to just melt the cheese. (laughs) Uh, That's an interesting fear. I feel like it's on the delivery. Like it's, I feel like so long if you're like cool about it that you wouldn't have to worry about some someone fucking with it. Like, hey man, can you melt cheese on that? Like, if yeah, you say that's it in also a nice true. Way, there's there's a nice way to do it and say thank you and sorry or whatever. Um, but Nicholson was kind of curt, you know. He's like, hey, can you yeah. melt this. He's like, yeah, and what well, about them malts too? Well, well yeah. Nichol- Nicholson wasn't scared because he wasn't the one that was going to have to eat the spit. So that's true. Exactly. Yeah. It'd be interesting if he was in that situation, would he act as the same way with that kind of like bravado? Like, and, and where are the malts, you know, I'm I'm not like that. I'm not that. I wouldn't bow up like that hardcore and like a red Robin, but I think we all have that friend. I have a friend like that's just gives zero fucks and would say something like that and be even more animated. And that shit's funny as an outsider, but yeah, I I couldn't do it. I remember one time we were at breakfast and one of my buddies we were kind of like hungover and, and and like he was talking real loud and people were 
looking over and like, mm, quiet down, you know? And like, he would look over and be like, I don't give a fuck. You know, like one of those kind of characters. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know it well. <laughs> um, so yeah, we get on to the road. I had a quick question for you, Matt. I guess apropos of nothing, like is the question why didn't they just fucking fly instead of giving them five days to go planes, trains, and automobiles for yeah, what would be I like an was, hour and a half flight? That had to be a product of the time, but I was also thinking it's like, why don't you just give them a fucking car, like a navy right. car? And just <laughs> yeah, like I think nowadays they would have just got a military van and the it would have been a, a different kind of road trip. Uh, yeah, I don't, you know, this is, uh, this is during Vietnam, so I don't know the resources at hand. So uh, maybe they don't have a fucking bunch of extra vans just laying around, but yeah, like uh, yeah nowadays the they would have had a motor pool. I mean, they had that dope station wagon that they dropped them off in the bus station. Dude, that thing was pretty cherry. I was looking that at was. it because I thought the same thing. I was like, just take just, that. Just drive that. Yeah, I thought that was kind of like, because at, at times they're packed into like a shitty bus, like a connecting bus, and they're like crammed in like sardines. But uh, yeah, the I mean, the trains looked more cushy. Like th- that seemed kind of cool. You have a dining car and stuff like that. But yeah, I thought that was kind of like, yeah, why don't you just go in the fucking car? Like that would save, because they're like bouncing around quite a bit in this flick from, from like DC to Pennsylvania, to Philadelphia, to New York before they get to New Hampshire. They miss their connections a couple times, having a little bit too much of a good time. I had a quick question in between this. Who, for you, Matt, who is like the the baddest, like, you don't fuck with this person, like, on the ship? Or, uh, like, is there, like, a stereotypical, like, bosun's mate or, like, someone, like, a job title that kind of, like, you have to be this type of person to fit that job? There was a lot of engineers that scared me. Like they work down in the, they work down in the fucking dungeon. They only come up to eat, you know, and like they're always covered in grease and shit. Uh, their their officer, I forget his fucking name because I I didn't I didn't talk to him on purpose. But he had like a fucking state trooper flat top, and he was always chewing tobacco. But he never I never saw this man spit once. So like he was just fucking swallowing gallons of tobacco spit every day, all day long. And, uh, oh, man, man terrified me, man terrified me. Um, I've gotten pretty good at that. The bosun's mates, they, uh, you know, they, they have to work around people. They usually get grabbed for shit details. Cause they're always just around like fucking, mm. you, you just go outside and there's like three of them, you know, fucking doing something. So, uh, some of them are a little goofy. I mean, like there's a couple hard asses, but like they're they're so busy babysitting the other ones that like you don't really have to worry about them. I'm probably pissing a lot of people off right now, but that's okay. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. I thought maybe it would be the uh, the cook from what we learned from Under Siege, but yeah, never know if he's going to be a. a now you're telling me fucking... that's not a realistic movie, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I get the next part. I think this, this movie's claim to fame uh, for most people is they stop. I think it's one of their first major stops. They stop in DC and this is kind of, it develops like the, the road buddy comedy movie where 
Nicholson's like, fuck, man, this guy, this kid's 18. He hasn't done shit. He's probably a virgin. He's probably never had a beer. So they're like, let's, let's stop off. We got time to kill before our next train or bus. And so he goes to a place in DC. He's been before to get a beer. And right when they get in, this guy's giving him shit. Uh, the bartender, like, let me see your IDs and stuff. And like, he gives that little jab at mule. He's like, what the law says, I got to serve your kind, but this kid ain't got no ID, you know? And it's like one of the famous lines is Boston loses license for sure if I serve that. I'm gonna kick your ass around the block for drill, man. You try it and I'll call the shore patrol. I am the motherfucking shore patrol, motherfucker. I am the motherfucking shore patrol. Give this man a beer. I lo- that's this is definitely I mean Well at least he didn't overreact. Be one of your favorite parts. <laughs> what? At least he didn't overreact. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, I love this part. I mean, this is probably playing it up for the screen, but uh, yeah, just their whole interaction with the bartender and like, and then after this, this, this spurs them to to go get, I don't know. I saw like no less than like 85 Schlitz and PBRs that they went through after this and they get a hotel and they just, they're drinking all night, you know? And like, I, I like this. It like sets up the camaraderie. Yeah, I, I took that scene where it wasn't really him not serving the kid that pissed him off. It was the racist stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, there's this, this tribe mentality, like, if you fuck with one of us, you fuck with all of us type thing. Uh, and he knew he knew Mule, you know, Mule's a fucking straight man. He, Mule's not going to say nothing. He's just going to leave. Uh, the kid's going to, the kid wouldn't even send his fucking cheese back. So, like, yeah. he had, you know. You know, uh, Badusky had like it was all on his shoulders, and he wasn't he wasn't gonna let that guy give him shit because uh, you know he had to speak for all three of them, and I I really I, I that's how I took that scene anyway. Uh, it wasn't so much yeah. about the beer; it was a, it was about the the disrespect to his shipmate. Horrible uh, trigger discipline, though. He's like pointing the gun at him. He's got his finger on the trigger. Like, oh shit! I didn't. I didn't clock that as a non-gun guy. Yeah, but. don't don't do that if you're listening. Cause that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna get you ten to twenty years in federal pound me in the ass prison. Yeah. Fuck. In 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 twenty twenty three, but in nineteen seventy four, he he probably could have snort snort cocaine off the counter and fucking <laughs> shot some windows out and been fine. <laughs> I think he might have right before that scene. Yeah, like, he was hey, pretty fucking, fucking Yeah, dude, I love that. That's actually how I think I was in high school. So this is like two thousand two ish, two thousand one. Somebody, one of my buddies, was like, "Dude, have you ever seen this movie?" And then he's talking about it, and he talks about this part with Nicholson and this famous like, "I am the the motherfucking Shore Patrol." So yeah, that's definitely uh, a point that stands out for this flick. So. So yeah, then they're they're kind of like they're they're having fun, you know, they're drinking and, and it it starts to morph a little bit. You kind of see these two guys like maybe not so much Mule, he's just along for the ride, but Nicholson wants to give this kid like a taste of life, like he hasn't done shit uh and before he has to go serve 8 years in the in a military prison. Um well, I think he's also trying to like prepare him to go inside. Like this kid's a fucking bitch. He needs to toughen up. Like, 
right? That scene, like when he's like, come on, give me a fucking poke. You know, like, he's like, punch me. Come on. He's like, do you ever get mad meadows? And he's like, he's really like, you know, yeah, seems like flower child. Like, cause they say multiple times, like he's, he, this guy's going to get eaten alive once he goes inside. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Neil's and- like, fuck, this guy's got no hope. Yeah. I, I noticed that mule is kind of, He's kind of not wanting to get attached to the kid because no, he, he yeah, knows totally. how fucking bad it's going to be for him. So, like, I, I feel like Mule's trying to keep his distance so he doesn't he doesn't have to think about it. He doesn't have to feel those feelings. While 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 Badusky's like it's getting under his fucking skin. Like, yeah, you know this this little boy is suffering this massive injustice over forty fucking dollars that he didn't even get. The Navy is just, it's literally, he's being fucked by the system and, and they're powerless to do anything. So I think Mule's just trying to do anything he can to feel like he's fighting back, you know? Right. I, I kind of yeah. thought early on that they were going to either help him escape or let him escape and just kind of, you know, throw their hands up. Yeah, there's a couple points where, like, I was watching it this time. It's like I could see them trying to insert that, but I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they played it pretty true to life. Like, I mean, there's, I mean, this is a, a movie at the end of the day, but uh, yeah, there are some kind of parts where you see, like, I'm even towards like three quarter mark towards the end, Mule's kind of getting like a soft spot for for this kid. But yeah, that's a good call. He is definitely trying. He's he's seeing the big picture, whereas. Badusky's like living in the moment, like wants to give it. And like, there's, there's times when mule has to like pull him back and be like, Hey, you know, like, and, and bring him back to reality. Like, I think he even says too, like doing all this shit. Like I get where you're coming from, but th- this ain't bettering him. It's, it's making it worse because he's getting this first little taste of all this freedom and like, and, and things that he should be able to, enjoy and then it's getting the books instead of just going in being like an 18 year old doesn't know shit from shit and going to jail i mean he's saying it's going to be worse because he's gotten this one taste of being an adult they say that when when they're talking about the sex like uh he's a virgin and when he gets out he'll be fucking 26 and they like what mindset will you even be in you know, as a 26 year old right. virgin that's been in prison for eight years. And, but I mean, like they're, they're talking about the sex there, but that could be fucking any, you could say that about anything. You know, like just what it's like to, to go to a fucking restaurant and, and order your cheese, right. Or to have a night with your friends at the hotel. Like if you're 26 and you've never experienced that, you're going to, you're going to be, you're going to, there's going to be some kind of uh, emotional retardation to the way you interact with people and you right. might never actually recover from that. And yeah. I, I think, I think Madusky sees that. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it happens all the time with people and they, they have, that's where like people that have served lo- longer bids where they get like institutionalized and, and, you know, maybe this is like, the only way no, I know how to go forward now, like that would be weird to have that part of your life cut out and then you just spit out and like, where do you go from here? Not building those kind of social skills. And like, even, I mean, those are those formative years when you're usually going through a lot of hard shit to figure out who you are and like 
And by the time you're 26, you're on the fast track to 30. And before you know it, you're 35. It's like, what are you going to do with your life? So um, if you you can kind of think about it too, like the way our society kind of has that stigma against homeschooled kids because they haven't had so many social, they, they haven't had thousands and thousands of social interactions. Right. And the same thing's going to happen to him, except for it's going to be adult interactions instead of kid interactions where you'll be talk, you know, he'll probably get out and he'll, he'll, he'll be trying to do something for the first time when it's just commonplace to everyone else. Like, right. You know, like it's like it's like when you first start driving and you you think about everything. Oh, I got the gas pedal. Oh, I got to hit the turn switch, but not driving a car. It's social interaction. While n- now we drive a car, we don't even think about it. We do all that shit while shuffling our iPod and shit. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I've, I've thought about for all the the pluses, and I don't want to bag on homeschool and stuff, but. I mean, the fact, at least anecdotally, I, I knew some homeschool kids and I mean, they were a little bit socially awkward. You know, it's like there is something that you lose because I, I've weighed those pros and cons with my kids and thinking about it. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like, I, th- I think you do. You need to be around people, you know, like, yeah, that's, well, I think that's the, good. The, 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 it's because the benefit of not having to deal with a bunch of shit is also, uh, it's also it's a, a downside because you don't you don't have to learn how to deal with a bunch of shit. So right, uh, uh, you don't home, get those calluses built up. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to being homeschooled, but mm-hmm. the social side is not one of them. Right. Yeah, I I can see the appeal, but yeah, there, it it definitely is just like with anything really. Though, Everything's a trade off. Yeah, I mean. The, the only thing is like when you, it all comes back to like the balance, right? You know, like if you can hit a balance of something, that's the ideal, but it's su- that's super hard to maintain in anything all across the spectrum of life, but awesome. Hey, I want to get into a couple of these questions. One of these before I fuck, before it just falls out of my brain and we just go on more tangents. This one from Herbie, I was curious about, are you a shellback? What the fuck does that mean? I am a shellback. That uh, that means I uh, I crossed the equator and did the ceremony of Poseidon. So uh, if you haven't crossed the equator yet, you're a, a, a fucking polywog and you're you're a fucking you're a fucking little shit, and we don't care about you. And uh, and there's like there's like this big ceremony. This goes back to fucking cell ship, wooden ship, age of cell type stuff, uh, where you know they. Uh, they make you crawl around on your hands and knees. They spray you with the fucking fire hydrants. They make you crawl through garbage. They throw garbage at you. I had to eat a cherry out of a fat man's belly button. I'm super <laughs> proud of that. Uh, you know, he was dressed as Poseidon. He had a he had a mop head as a wig and uh, fucking uh, seashells drawn over his titties and like yeah, it was a uh, it was a fun day. Uh, I wouldn't want to do it again, but I'm really happy that I did it. But you know, it's just it's it, it's a, it's a it's an old tradition that they're they're still keeping alive. So, you, you know, you still feel like you're a sailor. That's fucking cool. If you think about, especially if they're still doing it in the modern age, you think about how like we keep going towards modernity and like like this peak civilization. I I think that's cool that they keep those kind of like old traditions alive. And I'm I'm sure it's got to break up the monotony 
of everything too, to have little things like that. Uh, Cause my first thought, like when Jack Nicholson, he talks about, he's like, man, I love being at sea, you know, and like stuff like that. And the idea of that kind of freaks me out, like being at sea and not being able to see any landmarks and just water and shit. I've never been on a cruise for that same reason. Probably why I never will. Uh, just that idea of like staring into the void fucking kind of freaks me out a little bit. I, I tell you being, I, I miss being at sea t- sometimes it's fucking amazing. Really? And it's not amazing for the reasons you think. It's amazing because I don't have to worry about my bills. It's amazing because I don't have to worry about being late from work because I'm, I'm fucking asleep at work or I'm already there. Like I, you can't be late. You're there already. You know, like <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to worry about pissing the wife off because she's just one e- email a day. You know, it, it's, it's like the most, it's the most chill you can be And it. And long as you're not prone to getting bored, as long as you can entertain yourself, it's, it's fucking amazing. Nice. Wow. Yeah, I didn't think about it like that. I just thought about like the existential dread of like not being able to go where I want to go and ju- and not being able to see any landmarks. Like that idea of just like the endless void of like water all around for hundreds of miles kind of freaks me out. What do you are you like that, Steve? Like would you ever go on a cruise or does um, that idea kind of frighten you a little bit? It doesn't really frighten me, but it doesn't appeal to me at the same time. It but doesn't I, give I could, you a, it doesn't give you a boner alert. No, it really doesn't give me a boner <laughs> alert. I would think you maybe you would like that because you like to read so much and stuff and like and like a solitary kind of exercise. I feel like that would be a really good way to catch up on reading. You know, yeah, things that I you mean can, that that aspect of it is appealing for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean like anything else, they're are parts of it that do sound intriguing and other parts that don't really, but yeah, yeah there, there is a downside though. Cause you're always at work. Like uh, uh, think right. of where you work and then put your house inside of there. Yeah. And that's what it's like. Cause they, if something goes wrong, they don't, you're there's, there's no off time if something's going wrong and they'll just come get your ass. They don't, they don't care <laughs> that you like to read, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Where, was that something being on a newer ship that you had to encounter a whole lot, or was it kind of balanced? It like, was, I mean, it was weird because uh, we were undermanned. So I did, I did two, I did two med cruises. One, one that went to the Gulf, and I did one Northern Light cruise. And we had two gun stations, but we only had three or four people, depending on who was circled out. Like we, we had one. One of the persons in our division got pregnant, and they 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 got flown out. So we were undermanned like as soon as crew started. Uh, so we were working. We were standing an eight hour watch, and then we'd have eight hours off before we stood our next watch. And during that eight hours off, we had to do all our work and sleep. So like it just Damn. it was like a weird. I was like a weird zombie for like six months. Uh, Damn. So uh, watch separate from like your work that you had to get done. So like if you were able to get it done in six hours, you that would that mean you only got two hours to sleep or? Yeah, and and then because it also it's a it's an eight that. hour rotation. So like you're up every other night. Uh, every other night you're just a, you're the guy upstairs awake. You're not sleeping. <laughs> not uh, sleeping. <laughs> yeah, in theory. Uh, that sounds like the first six months of having a kid. I didn't have to stay and watch in combat. I was up at the gun by myself 
And like we would bring in our own like fucking uh, like beach chairs and shit and put our <laughs> headphones on. And if they need you, they'll talk to you and you have your fucking headphones on. But if they don't need you, uh, we got pretty good at sleeping, sleeping on watch because um, a bunch of alarms and shit go off if they actually need you to do something. That really wakes you the fuck up. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, that's that sounds pretty horrible. <laughs> uh, back to the last detail. I thought it was funny, too, at the the hotel scene where they're kind of drinking and stuff like the range of emotions they go through, like they're having a good time. And it's like, they pulled the, they really tied one on, you know, they go from like happy to like giddy to like, Badusky's like fucking bumming out. He's like, I don't give a shit. And then back again, like they catch their like third wins and stuff. Like I, I really like that whole, that that's like their first bonding scene. But another one, it kind of turns to drama a little bit when they go like like Badowski just gets it in his head. It's like this kid, this kid's got to see his mom before he fucking goes away for eight years. And that was kind of bittersweet because you know they go and she's not there, and Badowski kind of forces his way in and sees it's kind of like a dump basically, and like feels bad for the kid. You know, like he doesn't have a dad in the picture, and like. He doesn't get he. They don't know where his mom is. I thought I thought that was kind of endearing that Podusky went out of his way to like no, this kid's got to see his mom, you know. And, and I think this is the first time he or second time he tries to run or do something or or no, he tries to run on the train, but he goes over and talks to the neighbor like, "Where's my mom at?" And that's when like Mule has that heart to heart with Podusky, like saying, "Hey, this, this shit's only hurting him." Like giving him this this taste of what it would be like if he wasn't going to jail. Uh, but Dusky gives a good line there, too, where he uh, he talks about, like, how Meadows is probably actually fine with going to jail because the worst part's already happened, and now, now he's basically going to be taken care of. And it's funny because if you take one more step back, you could easily say that about Mule and Badusky in the Navy. Like, right. they're being taken care of by the Navy, and the worst has already happened. So I, 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 I saw a little, like a little correlation there where, you know, like Podusky's almost fooling himself about the way his life is. He thinks his fucking life's great, but you yeah. know, most people looking in would, would see it very similar to the jail. He sees Meadow about to go to. Damn. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, I'm one of those people that I, I like discipline and i like having something like regimented you know set in place and i remember when i got my first taste of freedom it was it was kind of bad you know like i i didn't do the right thing for a lot of years in like my early 20s it took me like i took the the road less traveled to getting on my feet and quit being like a selfish bastard and partying all the time and stuff so i i get that appeal too but that is a good kind of like you peel back the onion one more layer and it's and replace the prison for the Navy. Like you got all your meals and everything. Like people are telling you what to do. Like you have that like structure built in that you don't have to worry about. Cause when you're on your own, you have to, you know, go to work every day. You have to like, you have to do all these things in normal civilian life that are taken care of. Like you said, when you're on the ship, you don't, you don't have to worry about bills. You don't have to worry about this. And, of course that comes with other problems you could die you could get killed in like a theater of war and so that's the trade-off too or you have to do shit fucking work and yeah but i i almost die every day in jacksonville traffic trying to get to work so <laughs> <I gotta> be- <laughs> uh, 
Uh, that's a good point, dude. That's another. That's a fun factoid about Jacksonville. I didn't realize is that it's like the the biggest by square mileage of like the city in the U.S. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's intense. It's like seven hundred fifty square miles. Duval County. That's is, insane. Uh, Duval County is almost all Jacksonville. So there's Jack's Beach. There's Neptune Beach. So there's these two little towns down by the beach. And the rest of Duval County is Jacksonville city limits. That's crazy. Like, just like on a map, like this whole county is the fucking city. You yeah, know? Like, pretty much. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I um, think by comparison, Steve, like, I think Sacramento is like 118 or like 120 square miles, like yeah. city proper. When we did the murder on a Sunday morning, was that that was Jacksonville, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, the uh, it it was from I think ninety nine or two thousand is when that happened. The Brenton Butler. Yeah, we covered a documentary. It was a case of a a kid in Jacksonville that got wrongfully uh, accused of murder and like how he, he had to get he got fed through the system. And ultimately uh, exonerated, but yeah, that was a fun episode. But yeah, that did take place in Jacksonville. Okay, had you heard about that one growing up, Brenton Butler? No, I I, I didn't familiar? live here till '03. So uh, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. You're not from Jacksonville originally. No, I got sta- um, I got stationed here in the Navy, and then uh, just never left. Is that like out of circumstance, or did you, did you like well, my, dig my wife where you were was at? in college here at UNF? So uh, okay. She's not from here either, but we, we started dating. And then uh, by the time I got out of the Navy and she graduated, we had already like put in roots, you know. Right on. Sweet. Let's see. Oh, I guess another one of my favorite scenes in this is, well, I, I guess to, I wanted to establish to like in, in the last detail, we find out the reason Meadows is jailed. It's like he's a certified klepto. Like he steals whatever he has like a breakdown he talks i I didn't even need the shit he's crying he's like i'd steal a fucking eraser a fucking pencil sharpener like we see him too later on like he stuffs like two carrots up his fucking coat like and mule sees it under his wrist he's like you get that too like at the at the convenience store like or whatever so like he's got there's something going on there like like that he feels the need to go after this stuff I, um, I actually kind of had a, a problem with that because they just, they tell him you can't do it anymore. And then he doesn't. And I was like, well, if it was that fucking easy just to not do it, you sh- why didn't you stop before? Uh, yeah. I, I, I feel like it would have been, it would have made the movie better if he had just been slowly stealing shit the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> like that, an ongoing thing. Like, yeah. Like at one point, like steals Nicholson's flat hat. Like, Hey, where's my fucking flat hat or like something like <laughs> they, that. Uh, that would have been funny. But I, I think for what's his name? Meadows, it's the, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, for me, the action is the juice. The action is the juice. So, I thought that was a funny little tidbit and I'm definitely not trying to shoehorn that bump in. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But my other, one of my favorite parts from this is when they notice the Marines, they're in a, I I can't remember where they are. I think they're in Philadelphia and they, 
But Dusky right immediately sees these Marines walking by going to the head, uh, the pisser. And he's, and then he, he takes off his SP, his shore patrol band and his, and something else. He fucking takes it off. And it's like, oh yeah, he wants to get this kid in a fucking fist fight. You know, like they're going through all the things like we're trying to, we're going to get him drunk. We're going to, he's never fought where he's going to get in a fist fight and we're going to get him laid. Like this is what we're going to do before he goes and serves eight fucking years in this horrible military prison. And they go in and this exchange is fucking awesome. I love the. And I'm curious, like, what, do you know what the significance, like, this whole thirteen buttons shit is? Like, so like, your your dress what is uniform, this your dress uniform, uh, so the, the uniform they're wearing the whole fucking movie, they're Cracker Jacks. You have thirteen buttons on the front of your pants, and it's a it's a square flap. You don't have a fly, so there's a whole square like fucking George Washington that you have to unbutton all them buttons. Oh, and Jesus down. Christ! Yeah. And so he, you know, uh, as Jack Nicholson's over there tr- undoing his thirteen buttons, the Marines are acting like he can't find his dick. Uh, right. But I just want to point out that Jack Nicholson might have walked in there with intentions, but he didn't actually start this. They they started fucking with him first. Right. They did. So, I so mean, like, they, they're they the go, ones that they threw the first salvo talking they're shit. Like, oh, lone so lone sailor in here let's just be fucking jarheads about it and and but he just didn't take no shit and they weren't ready for it i love that when he's like yeah well i don't have to work fuck with no 13 buttons if i just take my hat off and then it's just like oh shit it's on yeah. i love that so what what i'm i don't understand what that means like i don't have to mess with the 13 buttons like he's calling him a dickhead i just yeah. take my hat off oh. i wouldn't have to I, fuck I with no 13 buttons i just take my I, oh, okay. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. I, fuck, it landed for me. I liked it. I, I, I picked it up. I missed it. Okay. Because I thought, I, I thought also the like, buttons were referring to it like his coat because they have those peacoats. That, there. dude, that's what I was thinking until Matt just educated us. I'm like, now I'm picturing like the most, the world's most mega fly trousers. Like, I can't even picture 13 buttons being assembled right in front of your Johnson having to undo that every time you got to take a fucking leak. Like Jesus Christ. Talk about over-engineering the fucking Yeah, You should pants. Google it. It actually look, it looks pretty sweet. Like, uh, you could wear them to a golf <laughs> club and like pick up chicks. You, you, you do all that. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> oh fuck. What was another line in here? I, I really liked when they're fighting and I, I didn't really pick it up. I didn't know if it was a racist thing, but he's when he's like one of the Marines, what's he say? Oh yeah. I also like how when Nicholson takes his shit off and he's like, and Mule's like, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to the head. And like Mule knows, all right, he's about to get into some shit and he takes his SP band off and like, he's like, all right, come on. He's got us into another fucking thing. But, uh, oh yeah. One of the Marines, he looks at, he looks at mule and he's like, I call karate. And he's like, I call you a motherfucker. And he like lays him out. Like, <laughs> that is I don't know what the fuck so that 70s. Yeah. It's like shaft. <laughs> <laughs> and our boy, Randy Quaid comes in. He he gets a good hook on somebody. He he gets yeah. He, he went full uh, Ishmael from Kingpin and just went country That's bumpkin on those on yeah. those boys. <laughs> I like yeah. how after the punch lands, Meadows just kind of floats 
upside down and slides to the ground uh, yeah. because he, he punched him so hard that he tripped over him. And, yeah. <laughs> but they just left it in the movie. They're like, fuck, we don't need another take. We got we to gotta film this without, without all the fucks in it. So, like, let's just <laughs> yeah. keep going. The way that guy f- kind of folded over, too, seemed a little odd, but... Yeah, yeah, it all happens so fast, and then they're like fucking hightailing out of there faster than the eight-legged dog. They're like, you know, that was kind of fun to see them. Like, it just seems like like they were like teenage kids that just fucking egged a house, you know. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, they're, they're, they're both single, right? So they're adults technically, but you know, <laughs> like they're li- they're living this life where they're like it's, it's adventure and beer every day, and yeah. Like what they their idea of manhood compared to like what a, a fucking nine to fiver with a wife and two kids idea of manhood is probably right. totally different. Oh and yeah, then, and 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 you see them trying to imprint this on this kid. Like, listen, fucker, this is this is what it is to be a man. <laughs> fucking drinking thirty eight beers in a hotel room, that's being a man, you know. Uh, Getting in fights with random people in restrooms, that's what being a man is. And, you know, since he's going to prison, I guess it doesn't really matter. But, like, like it's really not the best for Meadows. Like, this is... No. Meadows, is, he calls them his best friends later. He's known these fucking guys for three days. And, like, they've obviously imprinted on him. And he's going to carry this... He's going to look back on this road trip the rest of his life being like, that's the one time I had fucking fun. That's the one time I knew what... I hung out with what real men were and that might not end well for him when he gets in his thirties, you know? Yeah. I mean, mule calls Budusky out later on, like, you know, showing this kid, like how big of a man you are, you know, you're not doing it for him. You're doing it for you kind of thing, you know? And like, he's imprinting that, that badass kind of, uh, devil on the shoulder kind of thing. But yeah, who knows? Well, and then they find the chanting, which is good for everybody. Yes. Do you remember what it was? Dude, I love the part. I fucking love this because it happens twice. Is when he says, Can uh, I guess what you're going to say? Yeah. I might be wrong. I'm going to take a big swing here. But I think what you're going to say is what I thought was funny was the subtitle said Indiana hot dog during their weird fuck. Because it was a weird, like, nonsensical chanting, but my closed captioning said Indiana hot dog about a thousand <laughs> times in a row. And I thought... It's so funny that that's what your subtitles... <laughs> yeah. Over and over and over. It sounds delicious. I kind of want one now. Like... <laughs> well, I, I live in Indiana now, and I can attest Coney dogs are out of this fucking world, and I've never That's had them before. Kind of why I thought you would pick up on it. I, I didn't at all. But, Steve, so picture our beloved chili cheese burrito that's only oh, yeah. served in cer- certain regional markets at Taco Bells yep. that will give you, uh, if you eat too many uh, fire hose asshole shits. Uh, th- so a Coney dog is that chili cheese, like a chili cheese burrito on a dog. It's so fucking good. Like if I just went and bought that by the gross and flour tortillas, I could have my own chili cheese burritos anytime I want. But uh, that's besides the point. Um, no, the, the one I thought you might guess is when Randy Quaid, he asked two times to Badusky, he says, what's a Gahonzen? 
because they're when the chanting and they're doing that and <laughs> Badusky's like don't worry about it. I'll tell you later like he fucking knows what a god is <laughs> for some reason that part just really fucking tickled me like hey he's like hey try to hold because before that but but us he's like hey try to hold it down we're, I think we're in a church you know like <laughs> like he knew well, he had some context of what was going on so this is the first time in their adventure where Meadows decides what the fuck they're doing. And yeah. Badusky's so hears excited. the chanting and goes. Badusky's so excited that Meadows is taking charge. He's he's going along with it and being happy, even though he fucking hates it there. Yeah. Like he's just he's just happy his boy made a decision, you know. And it, it does lead to like they go hang out with this this weird hippie pack because they he's he's saying the chanting later and she picks up on it but did you yeah. pick out i only picked it out because i read the trivia that gilda radner was in um i i noticed this, her face immediately yeah <laughs> uh, totally. I, I, I think i might be a little older than y'all though uh but like yeah so like i remembered her from saturday night live that's really the only place i know her from uh, yeah I think that was her claim to fame because she was one of those like Jim Belushi, like Chris Farley types. I think she died yeah. or she OD'd like at a really young age. No, no, age. no. She died, she died of cancer in 89. Oh, did she? I'm sorry. That's so disrespectful. She wrote a self oh, what's it fucking called? Uh, autobiography on her deathbed. So like you can actually go and read a book Damn. about Ugh. her whole life that she wrote uh, while, while going through chemo. She didn't make it. That's hardcore. I guess. I mean, to my to my chagrin, I've I've always lumped her in with like Len Bias and like Mama Cass and Farley, Jim Belushi, like those peoples that like really partied hard in the seventies and eighties and and went out like OD'd and stuff. So, damn, I didn't know she was she had cancer. Like that was like out of, outside of her control. That's fucked up. But yeah, I did. I did. I'm. I'm th- going to be 38. So I kind of missed the boat on her, but I, I remember, you know, like hearing the name and like knowing the significance that she was like, uh, like one of the beloved SNL players and that she died way too young. But, um, I knew her face for sure. She's got yeah, one of yeah. those faces that sticks out in the crowd, but yeah, she has just like a real quick, like a bit, uh, cameo or, or, uh, this was, this was her first movie. Um, really? Yeah, uh, uh, Nancy Allen's in this movie too. This is her first movie. Yep, yep. I noticed that too. Steve, that might be lost is on she you. The one, but... Is she the one uh, on IMDb? Her character is listed as young whore. No, no that's, that's Carol Kane. Oh, yep. sorry, that made me laugh yep. so hard. That's a, if you go back to like I think pre eighty five. Some of the. <laughs> Like some of the, the tags that you'll see, some of the like character listings are fucking wild, man. Like, like fat guy in the bar. Like, yeah, just like really like, it's like, like, that's my credit. They would have added a line where she would be like, Hey, my name's Emily. What's your name? Like, just so they don't have to do that. You know? Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Did you recognize her from, um, I know you're a fan of Scrooge. You're not a big movie guy, but you are a fan of Scrooge, are you not, Steve? Yeah. Ooh. I, no, I, I like the movie a lot, but I don't recognize You don't anybody. remember? She was the uh, ghost of Christmas present. Yeah, she's the fairy that keeps hitting him. Yeah. yeah. Like towards the end, after the fucking uh, the other guy, it's a bone. 
I didn't make uh, that connection. So she also has a uh, she has a very famous role in Princess Bride. She's Billy yes. Crystal's wife as Valerie. Oh, I've yep. seen that movie ten thousand times. So <laughs> liar. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I thought that was fun to see, like her Carol Kane or I'm Carol Kane, Bill Radner. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> uh, and Nancy Allen, yeah, too. Like, if you've seen, any, she was in all of the RoboCops. Um, she's, I think, she was in a De Palma flick that was kind of freaky. Uh, she weird. was in she a Just to Kill. More. Yeah, uh, yep. Uh, sh- a straight chilling covered it. I had never heard of it before, and then I was like, "There's fucking Lewis from RoboCop." Yeah, you know. yeah, she's awesome. I love her a lot, dude. She was fucking smoking when she was in her prime. God damn! Like in yeah. the RoboCops, I always watched it. She had this weird, like suburban, like house mom kind of uh, vibe going. Well, they they didn't uh, in RoboCop. They uh, they wanted to steer away from her and Murphy having a romantic relationship. So they, oh, okay. they they tried to make her as masculine as possible, and I think I think she had it went and got her hair cut like three times before it was short enough for them to go. Okay, yeah, damn, yeah, because <laughs> she's just got in those films. She's just got like high school secretary written all over. Yeah, like, they get rid of yeah, it so in the sequels. Like she really? has giant hair in one of the sequels. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen two or three in a long time. But uh, yeah, one's definitely a fun rewatch. That that's one we should probably cover because I'd like to see Steve's take on the OG. Yeah, be sure to Robocop. watch the director's cut because if not, you're just wasting your time. <laughs> yeah, fact. Um, I guess some of the things that I was curious about about um, like the Navy experience. I think thus far, I mean, we're almost to the end here. Uh, is there anything like in here, like? vis-a-vis like the terminology or like the way they're speaking is there anything that like stuck out to you as like not being true to like the navy or that you took umbrage with or was did were you just along for the ride and no it 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 all seemed pretty okay i mean but they weren't really like in a lot of navy situations like they were they were in a bunch of civilian spaces only dealing with each other uh, the signal, the signalman stuff's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, they sh- they show you all that shit in boot camp, but you don't have to remember it. Like if that's not going to be your job, uh, but uh, you could tell you could tell how fucking proud Podusky was of his job. Oh, yeah. Like he loves being a signal signalman, and uh, and then like he was kind of chagrined when Meadows picked it up real fast. Uh, but he's yeah. also kind of proud too. You know, like I think. I think uh, Badusky's kind of like uh, he's like one of them weekend dads, whereas like, yep. you know, like he, he just he he likes being the fun dad, and then right. get the fuck out of here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. And then Mohal's like the straight dad, like the the Monday through Friday dad. Like, yeah. All right, you gotta. Because hey, I mean, we'll... go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was, was just gonna like... say at the end they both I, I the father thing towards the end I, even like when they're when he's going off into the prison it's like that's it. It, it to me it struck me like like they're losing a son or they're losing you know like someone that's been imprinted upon them or like connected yeah. like and and it and it, it's just unceremoniously like boom he's gone like fuck you know like it, even in a short space of time they 
they went through a lot of things and saw this kid grow like in a five day span, you know? So I like how abrupt it was. There was like no ceremony about it. There was no buildup or music cue or anything. They walk in the door. The guy says, Hey, you got a fucking prisoner. And then they grab him and they just walk off. They don't say yep. bye to each other or anything. But yeah. I mean, that's fair. Cause Badusky fucking just pistol whipped him five times. But, that's true. He did uh, try to run away from him and fuck oh, them yeah. over. <laughs> I honestly thought there's a scene. So when uh, uh, we can back up a little bit, uh, yeah. there's a scene where Meadows finally tries to run away because Badusky has been trying to get him to be like Padusky the whole fucking movie. And Padusky right. would have ran away already. So like <laughs> Padusky kind of fucked himself, like grow a backbone kid. All right. And then he fucking, he, he runs off. And Podusky takes off after him and he starts loading that fucking gun. And let me tell you, I thought he was going to shoot that kid in the back. I thought that was how this movie was going to end. Yeah. Every time I forget, I forget the end and I'm like, Oh fuck. Does he shoot him right here? Yeah. I thought so too. Yeah. But he does pistol whip him in the head five times. Right. Like he needs medical attention. He doesn't. We never see Meadows talk after that. Like <laughs> he's just fucking like he's got he's got some shell shock for sure. I always thought like maybe that was like an unintended consequence, like or maybe maybe it was like subconscious that it was good that happened that he's going in kind of roughed up, looking like tough with blood down his head to like try to because they talk about like fuck he's going in there with a bunch of grunts for eight years they're gonna chew him up spit him out like maybe that that could at least give him like something to start out with like oh this guy looks fucking rough you know like i don't know that's probably giving the movie too much credit but i i know it it definitely helped padusky because i think padusky got too emotionally attached to meadows oh yeah and, for sure and and that whole interaction probably made saying bye a lot easier yeah versus like everything went smooth and then he's got to like you know think about like the fun that they had and like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you even see it later on when they go into that diner for breakfast and he's like, it goes to the cook and, and Meadows is like, Hey, I ordered these over easy. And the chef's like, well, they are. And he's like, no, they're not like, he yeah. like stands up for himself. Like that's like a pretty on the nose example of him doing that. Like from like, Oh, I don't, Oh, it's fine. I don't need melted cheese. You know, like, Oh, he's learning he even says, see, I'm learning, you know, it's very on the nose, but, um, he's a young ass, stupid kid still at 18. Yeah. Like the, the eggs were probably fine. He just probably wanted to impress. <laughs> I press mean, I was looking at the play. I was like, yeah. this, how are those not over easy? They look yeah. over easy. Um, Maybe he meant over medium. One of those fucking weirdos. Uh, how do you guys like your eggs? Are you a scrambled guy, Matt? Oh, no, I'm over easy. Uh, I, okay. I like it runny. What about you, Steve? Uh, I'm a hard-boiled guy. Over medium, if I have to do a fried egg, but mostly hard-boiled. Yeah, I've always been over easy. The people that kind of scare me are sunny side up. It's like, yeah, why do you want sick. runny fucking whites? Like, get sick. out of here with that shit. Although, I've become a, a kind of like, I've only done it a couple times because I'm so fucking lazy, but poached eggs are where it's at, man. That shit's fucking awesome. Um, 
Egg tangent aside, this one was one I'm kind of curious about because I don't know what the fuck this means, and I'm curious if it's like within the Navy if there's some headbutting here, but uh, one again from Herbie. Have you ever had to encounter a midshipman, and what do you think of them, Matt? So a midshipman is an officer in training. So they are people on the boat who aren't officers, but they're not enlisted. And they huh. can be, they can be a little shitty because they're basically <laughs> rich entitled kids, right? And they're being groomed know, to go anything. into an off, and they're being groomed to be an officer, and yes. they don't have to yeah. necessarily do all the shitty stuff that enlisted people have. Yeah. And so there's kind of a chip on your shoulder when you encounter these fuckers. Now I'm I'm, I'm mainly talking off a of reputation because I never had to deal with them. I worked in the wardroom for a little bit. So, like, uh, generally, if you're a lower rank on a, a ship, uh, they'll pull you from your station to do some menial task for a couple months. Uh, I, it happened to me three times. Once I worked in the deep sink, I just fucking washed dishes for, like, six weeks. Uh, once I worked in the trash room for six weeks. And once I worked in the wardroom. And in the wardroom, you what are basically... That? It's the it's the mess. It's the it's the room where the officers eat, and I was oh, basically separate a from fucking waiter. Separate. Yeah. Ah, oh, wow. Damn. Okay. Yeah, I can uh, I can so like, understand. I, I was around them, but like I never had to interact with them. Gotcha. Yeah, so I can I can assume in in Herbie's uh, explanation of that that they're not someone you guys engage with on a daily basis or you yeah. kind of have a chip on your shoulder towards i always think of i i really especially this time of year going into like fourth of july and stuff i like i'll revisit band of brothers there's a david schwimmer plays an officer who he has all the the prestige and he's an officer but once they get it they're going into world war ii and they're doing like fucking war games and they're like they're they're preparing for d-day and shit and once he gets into the theater it's it's very like the guys see very quickly it's like we don't want this guy fucking leading us into war like he's like doesn't know his ass from his elbow he's getting lost he's getting like like stressed out way too easily. Like, have you still not seen Band of Brothers, Steve? No. The time is now, man. I know. It's fucking so good. good. I, I think I've I think I've read that book like three times. That book's so fucking good. Yeah, the book when the they series. get to the Eagle's Nest and they're just like, look at all of Hitler's liquor. I think we'll drink it, and they fucking <laughs> yeah. just throw a party for a week. I know, dude. That I part it's like it. It's good. Yeah, both of them. And I guess while we're on the topic of books, I had suggested to you, Matt, uh, Company K, which is a World War I, uh, as we're leading up to 4th of July, World War One book that's really good. Didn't I – did I give that to you to read, Steve? Do you remember that? No. Company K? You should check it out. It's really good. It's a, it's a World War One book by a guy who was – there i can't remember his fucking name now which is gonna piss me off but that's a really good one uh the things they carried the fucking awesome war book that you would really dig steve I, it was a dude that was actually in what's his name i think it's i got another one tim o'brien he did if i die in a combat zone and then yeah. he also did uh the things they carried is like his big fucking claim to fame in vietnam yeah, i've read that one too that one's really good yeah that's such a good fucking book yeah Speaking of books, this movie's based on a book. 
I, li- I listened to the five minute sample of it today. Uh, yeah, Steve mentioned that. I, I had no idea. The, uh, the, the, from what I heard, like the dude is like, he really loves describing all the nitpicky shit that happens in the Navy. Like the sample I read, like he was, <laughs> the guy was ironing his uniform and he was talking about all the shit that you had to do to make sure your uniform looked right. And, uh, like it got me, it was pretty nostalgic. Uh, I didn't, hit, I didn't buy it. So, but, uh, uh maybe one day. <laughs> like you got to get the crease at this angle and all, and like all the minutia and everything. I can see that being appealing though, too. So uh, back to last detail. I think, uh, what one that I've heard this term before, is this very common calling somebody a swabby? Yeah, it just means sailor. Uh, it's, uh, uh generally, uh, it, it applies more to like bosun's mates and, and, you know, people who work outside, you know, maybe like the supply, but, uh, it just refers to you mop, having to mop the deck. Uh, uh okay. once, once the ships, so once the ships weren't wooden anymore, you have to worry about rust. So oh, I like, so if it's, if it's raining, Usually they, they, they build drains into them now, but like after it rains, they would send us outside to sweep the water down the drains and then mop the deck. And like, Damn. and I live in fucking Florida where it rains every day at three o'clock. So uh, <laughs> it, it became a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. That's a fun part when they're, they're trying to look for uh, a woman of negotiable affection, uh, as Ricky J would say, uh, for meadows they're trying to get him laid and they're looking for a particular cab and i don't know if like nicholson knows like this cab company but he's like no it's like this one and he gets in and he's like hey you guys you know where we can you know have a good time and party and whatever and yeah i thought about that too i thought maybe there would be like a cat so they're in new york right like maybe there was a cab company that like goes out of their way to hire veterans or something you know yeah they were in Boston at this point and a couple oh, and was a couple yellow cabs, like just generic ass yellow cabs go by and he's like, no, 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 we're looking for a particular guy. And then this like weird, like black and white comes up and it says Boston on the side, on the door, on the white door, like Boston fucking uh, cab company or whatever. He's like, no, this one, hurry up. And they, they get in there. Maybe he just had a gut feeling or with this cab company, he had luck in the past on, previous shore leave but he's like he's like yeah you know where we can go he's like yeah don't worry about it i used to be in transit myself and he's like i used to be a minesweeper and he's like i knew you was a swab i told you i knew this guy was a swabby like that taxi driver said don't worry about tipping me i'll pick it up at the other end right so he's got a deal yeah Yeah, he's got to deal with with the uh the night house and they're they'll they'll pay him for bringing customers by right yeah i i thought that was kind of you know that's that gray black market you know kind of thing and i'm sure was way more prevalent in the 70s in this area but i did like how like you know like the lady of the house like seemed pretty warm and like that she understood what was going on like this young buck he's going away and like they're trying to show him one last good time kind of thing and he of course picks carol kane and fucking it's another like moment of pride. Like you see, like I, I rewound a couple of times. I was like, these guys look like proud of this motherfucker, both mule and Nicholson. Like when he's picking and when he goes off and he takes Carol Kane down the hall and he's going to fucking become a man and, you know, loses virginity. They look like proud, like dads, like parental units, like seeing him go off. Like, just as like, he's like, 
about to get his diploma or something. That really struck me this time, especially like Mule, you know, because he is a straight man. If you go back and watch it, like Mule's like smile, he's grinning like ear to ear, and they're like, "All right, kid, like, yeah, go out there and be somebody," you know, like, um. And Nicholson's even like, he's like, yeah, he's a cute little thing. That's who I would have picked, you know, like, like he's just, he's like overflowing with pride. And then of course, fucking like, I thought this part was weird, but I mean, it makes sense. If I was a prostitute, I want to make sure whoever was clean or whatever. And like, she she like tells him to strip kind of, and like, she's going to fucking like inspect the dong and make sure he doesn't have crabs or like something growing on the tip of his dick. And she like touches him for like, point zero seconds and he fucking and she's like man that's what i call quick and so they put in for a second round and you can see him like he seems like i'm I'm gonna fall in love with this woman you know like he's like he's had this experience (laughs) (laughs) oh i love Uh this part he's like i'll pay you whatever i got just to look at you you're beautiful you know like he's in that like glow of first getting laid and like yeah i don't know to me i i think for going against mule i think it was good that they were able to like give this guy a little bit of taste of the world before he goes away for eight years but i guess that's just my gut reaction what say you steve yeah i mean it's tough it's complex i think they should let him go gun to your head let him go to canada yeah. Conscious, conscientious objector. Yeah. I mean, they'd be on the, on the hook, but yeah, I, I, I'm not going, I'm not going to jail for some stranger. Cause that's what would happen. <laughs> no. Right. You shouldn't. Have st- <laughs> Apparently you can just stop stealing when people tell you to. So maybe you shouldn't have took that fuck of $40. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and fucked over charity. Um, yeah, that's pretty much this movie. And then, the, uh, I mean, from here, they, they finally get him laid. He, he hits all the the salient points that Budusky wants him to to hit. And then, yeah, it, it is kind of, like, bittersweet and anticlimactic once, like, they send him off. He just – I every time I forget that, I'm like, I'm like, they don't even say goodbye. They don't say shit. They go in, and he fucking just gets hauled off. And then there's a little bit tacked on at the end where they get some shit from Michael Moriarty, who people will probably know from Law and Order. Uh, he looked pretty young in this too. He's been a lot of Larry Cohen flicks too, like Cue the Winged Serpent and uh, the stuff he's fucking batshit crazy in. Um, that's a dude I think I feel like that has a lot of range, and that that's an underrated actor. But he tries to give him shit like, "Oh, you'd never." you're still in Norfolk. These papers never got signed and like this and that. And I guess that, that brings me back. One thing I'm curious about Matt that I didn't touch on Um, at the very beginning when Mulhall is like, tell the master arms to fuck off. I'm not going, I'm not going on no shit detail. And uh, the guy is like, he knows where you are. And he's like, I'm in transit motherfucker in the Navy. Like they don't know where the fuck you are. I wonder, has that, did that ring true for your time? I, w- I wonder if it's different now with well, like the technology. Yeah, it's different. And everything. I mean, we have computers now and shit. So yeah, it's just a little different, but yeah. uh, I can definitely see it. We're like, you know, like uh, at the end of the movie, they're like, you're not here. You're still in Norfolk. No one signed this fucking paperwork. Like right. very similar things could have happened at the transit station. Uh, I can't imagine what it was like before computers in, 
you just pulled whatever fucking papers you had out of your pocket and you're like, yep, this is official. Cause I mean, that's how it had to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's wild to think like how, like how technology advances and it, it works through all these different things. Like in this instance, in the seventies, when like how easy it would be to kind of like bend the rules and like, you know, smooth out the edges of this trip, you know, like, and like they, they think you're on schedule and, and even from the beginning, they're trying to game it by like, let's just get them up there as fast as fucking possible and have a good time with the per diem that we're getting for this. You know, when it, it actually ends up, they exhaust all the time they need because they want to show this kid a good time. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting to think about like the difference between the seventies and like modern day, like how much easier it is to keep tabs and track people, you know, like, that must have been cool. Like that's one thing I think about like in, in like the seventies, eighties, like an older age where you're not so tied down by technology and like knowing where everybody is in an instant. Like I got fucking shit. I got cameras on my fucking house on my phone. I got fuck like all my family members on this app where I know where they're at and shit. And it, it's, again, it's, it's cool. There's, it's cool knowing where, Oh, they're at the store. They're going to be back in like 10 minutes. I know that, or I know where my kids at, or I can, I can be on vacation and and look in at my backyard, you know, and see what's going on. But there is a double-edged sword to all that shit too, which is kind of interesting to think about. If, if this was, if this was today, they would have been in a Navy van that has a tracker on it. All, uh, Mule right. and Badusky would have had cell phones, and the MM, MMA would have called them every fucking day to yeah. to report in. And they wouldn't have given them cash, which is untraceable. They'd have like a, a navy or a company card kind of thing where they're, and you have to like, you know, expense everything down to the last penny and shit. Like they're not buying eighty five beers and staying at this fucking cat house. <laughs> like. <laughs> But I like that, like that this is kind of a, a slice slice of life looking at like a, a different era. Yeah. Oh, fun fact. This was uh, the screenplay of this. It was the same guy who wrote the screenplay, uh, Robert Town of Chinatown, who Jack Nicholson. I, they must have been filming this the same exact time because this was really this movie. Last detail was released December 1973 and Chinatown was released in June 1974. So he was like, bang, bang, like just churning stuff out at this time. I think right after this, his real big uh, claim to fame at, at the time was Easy Rider in like 76 that Dennis Hopper directed. That really like catapulted him. But now when you look back, you, you think of like Chinatown and Easy Riders in there for sure, too. But I, I guess at the time, you know, Chinatown wasn't the big thing that it is now. But um <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was interesting that that this movie and Chinatown were so closely tied together. Let's see. It sounds like you had a deployment. How many times did you deploy officially, Matt? Uh, I did two meds. One of the meds ended up turning into a golf, and then I did one Northern Lights. So the Northern Lights is uh, we didn't quite make it to the Baltic, but we're uh, you know we're floating around the British Isles outside of Ireland, up by Iceland and all that. We we didn't stop at Iceland, but we did go Ireland, Scotland, and England, which was cool. What was uh, Scotland, the was probably, Scotland was probably my favorite port because uh, I'm really into all the medieval stuff. 
Oh, you know, yeah, like I went to Edinburgh where the castle, there's a fucking castle downtown, which is amazing. And then they speak English, which also is very helpful. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Those places that, that still, even though it's a different kind of English, like those places kind of appeal to me just from the language perspective. Like if I, I've never been anywhere internationally, but you know, like, like a New Zealand or Ireland or Scot- Scotland, Besides I, the fact they speak English, it's just like the history and all that stuff really appeals to me. But. I never pulled in anywhere where someone couldn't speak English. Like right. if if we went into a store or anything, maybe the first person we talked to couldn't speak English, but someone in there did. Like it 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 was literally never a problem. I've heard from other military people too that their at least anecdotally their experience was if you like uh, I knew a guy that went to Germany and he said as as long as you tried to speak in the native native tongue for something that would give you a little bit of credit like that would go a long way and then they would ultimately speak English and help you try to get what you needed but. Uh, which I, I mean, makes sense, you know, like it's like a form of like, kind of like paying respect to where you're at, you know, and not expecting everywhere to speak English. But, um, so yeah, that was kind of my question. So that was your favorite port that you stopped yeah. in or place was yeah, Scotland. Scotland. Yeah. We, uh, when we pulled in, it was really surreal. Cause we, uh, when we pulled into Southampton, England, we were only there like a day and we went to the movies and I saw underworld. Uh, shout out to Randy and uh, everyone in there speaking with a British accent. And then we came out and everyone was still speaking with a British accent. And it really threw us off because we were, we were pretty trashed. And then, uh, yeah, it was, it was a little surreal. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard specifically some of Scotland's slang and they're like, their local color is, is pretty fucking wild. That would be a hard one to, they, Ver, they versus say the same thing about like us. England. Yeah, I'm we, sure. Yeah, we we would get we would get drunk and ask people to speak an American accent, and they always do Texas. We're all Texans to them. <laughs> how do y'all? I mean, how are y'all doing? You're like that's that's an American accent as far as they're concerned. Well, shit, I'm from California, and that's what I picture in my head. Like anything, like east of like Kansas, you know, like I think outside of you know, you're like. Uh, like your New York, Boston yeah. accent. Like I, I, that's the first thing I think, if I think America, you know, you think America, like you, you get that kind of that Southern inflection. So yeah, that makes sense that that would be representative, but yeah. So is there anything from last detail, Matt or Steve that, that you want to touch on that we maybe have glossed over that, that stuck out to you or that you enjoyed gripes? Well, there was two things. One, you asked me for a cool detail that I spotted. They Badusky had his name written inside his flat hat, uh, which is like legit. Like they would uh, they would make you write it on the inside lip, and then you would turn the lip up, and no one could see your name because everyone everyone has one, and they all are identical. So like, if you throw yours down and your name's not in it, it's gone. Someone picked it up. So that was that was probably the most authentic detail I saw. Uh, the the other thing was is like I guess they fo- filmed a lot of the outside stuff for this in Pittsburgh in the middle of winter, and so they're really freezing. 
and they um, look like they're fucking cold. Like that, that so, like, acting uh, didn't really come too hard for him. <laughs> uh, uh, John from a cut above always bitches if people are cold, but you can't see their breath. These yeah. motherfuckers look like dragons in this movie. So like, <laughs> uh, like John should definitely come check this movie out. Nice. Yeah. Shout out to a cut above and John check it, check it out for sure. Yeah. They didn't have to bring in any CGI for, for breath. That's for sure. You can see it too. Like it seems like Jack Nicholson's legitimately frustrated when they're doing that. Like, cause I think Meadows talks about like, Oh, if it was nice, I'd like to have a picnic. And they, they go out. He's like, we're having a fucking picnic when it's like 20 degrees and it's snowing and they're cooking dogs in that park. And he's trying to break that fucking limb. And he can't do it, you know? Like, it seems like they're really fucking cold and struggling. Yeah, like, there. he's he's legit shivering. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Sweet. Let's see. Uh, next week, I think... I, I don't have anything planned. Uh, we... we it, it's going to kind of be shooting off our hip again. So, we have a couple things cooking, but uh, next week will be TBD... If you have any hate mail, uh, if you've seen the last detail, let us know what you think. Uh, let us know what you think of the episode. If you just tuned in and, and never seen the flick, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's a lot of fun, especially seeing a young Randy Quaid and Jack Nicholson. I think it's uh, – I, I think I'd agree. It's like one of those things. Like I could have watched this one time and been satisfied with it, but kind of like you – like every time, like, like a major, like holiday, like 4th of July or Memorial day or veterans day, I kind of get in like one of those modes where like, I want to watch band of brothers. I want to grab like the thin red line, something like that. Just kind of get me in the mood. I think this one would kind of fit that bill too. let us know. You can reach out to us via email at wax at waxing the porpoise.com or either of our socials. Uh, Instagram is waxing the porpoise and Twitter is at waxing the porp. Matt, do you want to remind people one more time of your podcast and, and what you got going on at Swords and Stereo? Yeah, so uh, our podcast is Swords and Stereo. We talk about historical fencing, uh, and I run uh, a fencing club in Jacksonville, Florida called Bold City Longsword. Uh, I also want to say if you did watch this movie and you liked it, there is a sequel that came out in 2017 oh, yeah. where Lawrence Fishburne plays Mule. Uh, so, and I think Steve Carell and yep. the guy from Breaking Bad, whose name Brian is Cranston, Brian Cranston are in it. And it's the same thing, road trip comedy where it's, it's sad, but funny. Uh, I haven't got to watch it yet, but I, I watched the trailer and it looks interesting. So I put it on my list. Yeah. When you had said that, I was like, holy shit. I had no idea they were connected at all. I remember seeing previews when it came out and stuff and it just kind of fell off my radar, but. I mean, b- besides the connection to this, I mean, that's a great cast. I'm a, I'm a huge Larry Fishburne. Don't call me Larry uh, Fishburne fan. And uh, Brian Cranston's dope. And it looks like a fun, like, yeah, like kind of serious drama comedy. I think they're going to like bury one of their sons mm-hmm. who went into the service. And like, yeah. it brings back these old buddies, you know, that are, that are old swabbies. And, and it, it's kind of the same thing so that definitely i'm i'm a sucker for like a road movie like this in general so yeah i'm definitely going to check that out cool and yeah and check out swords and stereo 
fuck matt's awesome look out for maybe a few maybe a, uh, another guest spot in the near future for straight chilling uh to call in your expertise yeah dude the like uh, those two episodes northman and and green knight are, are definitely like top 10 for me easily so yeah i appreciate you coming on it's been super fun kind of seeing a like getting a peek behind the curtain of like the, the Navy life and, and just getting to talk about this movie in general. And we, we can score it at least in the win column, keep our percentage up. Final thoughts. Well, uh, yeah, next, <laughs> next week will be a surprise. Uh, don't know what we're talking about, but, uh, we'll have a good time either way. So thanks for listening and we will see you when we see you and we'll see you later. That was the plan to give you a boner <laughs> and you got one.